to Untethered Layers. My name is Dawood Nadaraf. And I'm Rachel Tyler. We are joined in the uh, metaphysical studio this week with a very special guest, um, Mr. Jonathan Avram Wolf, uh, more colloquially known as Yoni Wolf, um, somebody who knows far more about why than any of us uh, will ever hope to. Uh, this episode was sort of meant to, it, it, it was about some side projects that uh, Rachel and I are pretty fond of uh, sort of getting down uh, deep into them, answering some questions that we may have had in the past or we came up with uh, pretty recently. But uh, and, and then after after some conversations about uh, Testarossa being one of them and Jaime's Basement being the other, uh, just sort of general conversations about the history of, uh, of Yoni's sort of path, uh, his musical path and just uh, his upbringing and his foundations and stuff like that. Um, all really, really good stuff. So if you've ever been curious about anything remotely related to Yoni or any of his projects or just why in general, um, this will be a good conversation for you to listen to. So without further ado, I guess we'll get right into it. Enjoy. So how, how's your vacation going so far? Oh, it's good, man. This this is uh, just the second day. So we just kind of, mm. I would say we settled in today. Like we went shopping and uh, right. just like food shopping and stuff and uh, but I, we got in the water for, for uh, a minute this afternoon and, you know, I, I did an interview with, uh, with, with your, your friends, Gavin and, and, uh, right. You know yeah, they oh, that, yeah. That was earlier today. Yeah. So yeah, just, just chilling and hanging with, with, uh, I don't know what that is. That's a bug of some kind. Hopefully that'll stop. <laughs> chilling with a bug. Um, but yeah, hanging with my my girlfriend's family so i'm I'm here with her family uh in uh north carolina is where i'm at oh, okay cool, yeah cool, cool. sounds That's relaxing nice. yeah well thank you so much for taking the time yeah we really appreciate this. that oh my pleasure you guys it really i mean i i just i i'm so honored that you guys uh you know do these are doing these things it's so cool it really is right yeah it's like uh we just put our conversations we've been having for the past five years to to a mic for the first time so nice it's it's our pleasure nice nice good uh yeah we actually wanted to ask uh we did a lot of guesswork in the past <laughs> episodes yeah. uh we wanted you to kind of correct us if we'd said anything egregiously incorrect uh i guess n- no i i mean i i can't I'm sorry. This bug. Can you guys hear that on on the uh, on the line? I can't. But <laughs> I it can't hear terrible. any bugs. Um, I don't know what the fuck that is. Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, yeah. I mean, I can't. I can't think like offhand of uh of stuff. But there were a few things I remember in one episode where I kept talking back to you guys like, oh no no it was this or whatever you know. But I, I can't remember <laughs> what that was. Um. Yeah, off, not off top of the head. Maybe something yeah, about. I'm glad that like, nothing we've said has stuck with you. Something about alopecia and uh, the ne- the other one that we recorded at the same time. You know, um, uh-huh. maybe mm-hmm. it was something about that. You guys were kind of trying to figure something out, and not, and yeah. yeah, but I don't remember what it was. Since you can't remember it, we never got it wrong. So every single thing we've said is perfectly correct. There you go. There you go. Science. <laughs> Uh, we kind of wanted to talk a little bit about side projects specifically this episode. Um, so we came prepared with some questions uh, for Testarossa. It's like a shared favorite of ours. Yeah. We well, Rachel wanted to know if you, you want to go ahead and ask. Yeah. The um, uh, here uh, for for you and Getty. Whenever you guys recorded this, uh, what were the roles like? Um, was it like you did a lot of the writing and he did a lot of you know the 
performing or was it vice versa or was it more kind of just like a shared project overall um it was mostly like uh i would say like for the most part i i did the music and he did the the lyrics but um you know we we kind of you know i would help him with little things here and there if he was stuck or whatever um Mm -hmm. you know he would have ideas for music and stuff too so uh, but yeah, mostly I would say it was it was kind of like, uh, like that, you know, like I, I, I kind of was the producer and stuff, and 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 he he uh, did the raps, you know, if you want to look at it in a classic rap hip hop sense or whatever. But uh, but right, of course, yeah. you know, it's always always uh, murky, you know. You always yeah. I actually listened to your uh, episode with Lily that you just uh, released and you mentioned that story where he came in like really late one day after like drinking all night yeah. and he came with a verse for I Rosa. Is that right? Yeah. 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 yeah Were there yeah. any other like stories like that? Um, Oh, I don't know. He just, he basically would stay at my house, uh, for, you know, a week or two at a time. And, and, uh, he would stay on my pullout couch, which like is like, this company called this end up and and like it it like is like all low to the ground and and has uh-huh. like this wooden um frame surrounding it and he would call it his crib um <laughs> and just go <laughs> he basically would chill in his crib most of the day like uh trying to work trying to work out verses and stuff but probably mostly watching boxing and mma while uh <laughs> while i would be like in the studio working on stuff um and then he would get once he would get his lyrics and stuff worked out then we would work work on uh you know uh the vocals and stuff and i don't know right. it's good i have really fond memories we had good good times and we, i remember when uh i first got done the beat for um uh or like you know the the initial version of the beat for for uh i'm trying to think of what the song is gosh uh f is for my buddy frank uh, uh that was just called oh, frank. Frank, or, right? frank right is it called frank i think so yeah okay so yeah that that one um we were like dancing around my uh kitchen island for like an hour like uh just just vibing to the beat while he was kind of work, <laughs> working out his his lyrics and stuff um no nah, yeah, I, I would say that definitely comes through in the record it just sounded like you guys were just having a good time trying to put together for uh, sure a concept album. and he, it was like his i you know we would just hang out all the time and we would play cards uh into the night um sometimes we'd have guests over and just kind of like hang out play cards um and uh it was like his idea to like for, for me to do uh for me to do like rap like a straight ahead like rap tour which is why i started mm-hmm. doing those little solo rap tours and stuff right yeah um you know he was like oh i think it would be cool if you did this blah blah blah. so yeah i mean we we just had we had good good fellowship good times together for sure so that record would you say is like a concept album almost like born out of a residency of him at, at your place um you know i don't know if it's a concept album i mean you know like when we started marketing it or whatever and writing the one sheet right. we kind of just told people that but you know like i mean i think it was more organic than that um you know and came about uh from 
from the process. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, of course, then we started to sort of piece a story together. But I wouldn't say we set out to do some kind of concept piece or some kind of story piece. Right. Uh, you know, just in all realness, that's, you know, more. Uh, but, you know, I think it, it holds together as a story in some ways. Uh, but we kind of, I, I would say we put the through line together uh, somewhat after the fact, or maybe like 75% through, you know, the, the process okay, or right. something. Yeah, I really like the kind of effortless narrative that there is in that album without it feeling too much of a forced storyline, I guess, like you were just saying. Yeah. Uh, how much of the, I guess, that story kind of is drawn from personal experiences that you and Getty may have had being musicians and being on the road? I, I would say that, um, I mean, you know, you have to talk to Dave, but like, you know, in my opinion, um, and, you know, Dave, this is to me how Dave works, knowing him and stuff is like, everything is somewhat about his life you know um Mm -hmm. but he uses characters and he uses uh you know he's not going to necessarily like directly talk about situations or whatever that exactly occurred in his life sometimes he does but mostly he likes to sort of get into a character mode and sort of tell it through that you know he's not you know i like you know i put all my shit out there uh, into the world and, and just kind of blah, you know, just let it all hang out. He's <laughs> gotcha. not, that's not as much Dave's style. Dave's more of a private guy, but uh, you know, I, I think I think uh, a lot of his life is in those songs, but but just told in, in you know, metaphors and, and uh, you know, like thin veils and stuff, you know? Yeah, my um, sister and I have always heard about this concept of musicians and artists uh kind of having a personal blender which they put their personal experiences inside but everybody puts their blender onto a different setting so some people's stuff is extremely literal and extremely straight from their experiences and other people's is so far beyond what you connect to their experience yes and i think that's something that's really interesting to see uh both you and Getty working with a similar subject matter in different ways. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And I mean, you can't, the thing is, is also like, you know, when it comes to my stuff or why stuff or whatever, you, you know, my intent, I guess, is to make it feel real. Like Dave might get into more fantasy stuff, like with, with, uh, you know, with, with, um, Kenny Dennis or whatever, you know, it's obviously a character and everything. Um, but definitely a lot of that relates to his life. Um, but my stuff, I guess, at least with why stuff, like the intent is for it to sound, you know, real. And a lot of it is, but then a lot of it is also, exaggeration or a lot of it is is uh, fantasy you know yeah i remember whenever because um, i hadn't really listened to getty much before uh, y'all announced testarossa and i remember being wildly confused as to what his actual name was because i'd heard serengeti and then i'd heard uh, i think like you said kenny um and all these different personas that he put on through different albums i was like i literally have no idea what this dude's name is yeah <laughs> I, I think i think that's been like probably 
you know, tough for him to, you know, just because, yeah, he does, I mean, he's, he does so much stuff. He's so prolific um, mm-hmm. that, yeah, I think, you know, it may be hard for some people to uh, keep track of, 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 of all that, of all that stuff. Um, yeah. But I mean, that's, Ken, you know, Kenny Dennis is, is his main sort of like extra persona. Like if you think of, of, uh, Shock G and, and Humpty or something like that. I kind of think of it like that. Right. That being said, like I said, I didn't really know who he was, but after Testarossa, I went through listened to some of his uh, records, and I'm a huge fan. It came out after Testarossa, but that record that he did with Sickerman, uh, Doctor My Own Patients. Hell yeah. That was like one of my favorite records of that entire year. Yeah, that's great. That's Yeah, I love that stuff, too. Uh, sort of more broadly speaking, uh, rather than just about Testarossa, but also having to do with Testarossa, you mentioned that you mostly were on the production side. Uh, you recently just produced the new Ophelia's album, which I've been bumping relentlessly. It's incredible. I want to, first of all, just, that, that record is incredible. Thank so you. Congratulations Thank you, man. on that. But um, as, as your discography expands and you sort of get more uh, records under your belt, um, have you found yourself more comfortable behind the production curtain? Uh, like more so maybe than actual performing? Or is it just sort of a 50-50 split? Uh, what's your preferred involvement level, yeah. musically speaking? I, I, you know, I like I like both. Uh, I like both ways. Uh, you know, I, I, I uh, would say that the the it's they're two v- d- very different um, uh, ways of work. Like the the Testarossa album versus like the mm-hmm. Ophelia's album are are very yeah. different. You know, in terms of my my role or whatever. You know, the the Testarossa album was pretty much like. Uh, um, you know, A to Z, like I, you know, I, I uh, made all the music or whatever. Whereas mm-hmm. um, with the Ophelias, you know, they they wrote all their songs and and uh, even had uh, a lot of it rec- like the basic tracks recorded. Um, so my involvement of that was more one of t- picking it apart and like right. seeing what it could be basically um, and. I mean, I almost think of my role as being a, a, a mixing engineer, but that said, I completely, cha- you know, I completely change change stuff in that mm-hmm. in that stage. I also recorded uh, a good amount of the stuff too. I, I like both things. I like I like you know both of those different styles, but I also like writing my own songs and singing as well. I love singing, you know. Um, so I, I like I like I like I like it all. I like I like variety. Uh, I could definitely see myself doing more stuff with other artists in the vein of what I did with the Ophelias, basically helping a band, right. helping a band that doesn't really know how to make albums, make out, al- make out, al- you know what I mean? But is a really good band making yeah, out. Cause this is their like technical kind of studio debut, right? They well like no that. like Creature Native they released a couple years ago yeah Creature Native you know I mean that's a studio album I mean they recorded it in in yeah. really good places and stuff but you know it's not to me it's not uh, it's just a little more lo-fi and stuff you know like I yeah. I, I like it a lot um, I, I think yeah no that album is gorgeous totally I mean I almost I almost prefer the songs on that album honestly mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know I just felt like it didn't um it didn't bump and snap the way i thought it should you know it didn't it didn't yeah. like it didn't have like the the chutzpah that i wanted it 
to have or something. So like, yeah, when I went into work on the, on almost, um, I just tried to give it a little extra push, you know, to, to, to make it pop out, you know, to make it pop. Um, yeah, I don't mean make it pop music, but make it, make it shine, you know? Um, and yeah, I, 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 I like working with other artists for sure on their stuff as well. I remember talking to uh, one of my friends about Creature Native and saying that, like, like, I, like I said earlier, it was gorgeous. But it's yeah, it sounds like it was almost recorded in just like, uh, like a church, like which I think is super fitting. Like I said, the the album itself is just really clean, and but like you said, lo-fi, so it doesn't exactly. Um, it, it feels more like a live session almost. Than an yeah, actual, like, exactly. And, yeah. Exactly, it feels more live, and I think they did record it live. You know, for the most part, probably. You know, they mm-hmm. they. Uh, it, it you know I, they, it wasn't picked apart the way that almost was picked apart you know what i mean yeah yeah no that uh like i said that i don't have enough words for that album it, it was one of my favorites whenever uh joyful noise put it out for the white level series yeah that one was one that like i i i knew i had to get my hands on so i do have it so congratulations to them uh not only you for producing it but them for coming out with an incredible album almost is too good totally totally um we talked a little bit about your your role uh in Yoni and Getty as a producer and also writer. Um, another one of the albums I kind of wanted to talk about, and I think this is an album a lot of people ask you about, is Jaime's Basement. Yeah. Um, so what was what was your role in, in that? Well, like you and uh, Andy, uh, whenever you recorded that, was it more of a split thing, or, or was yeah. it still you doing most of the production? No, no, that was definitely a, uh, more of a split thing. I would say, if mm-hmm. anything... If anything on that one, I would say I did probably, you know, maybe it was like 60-40, like um, maybe skewed towards me on the on the lyrics and singing or something, and then maybe mm-hmm. 60-40 skewed towards him on on uh, like um, production or like or like musical ideas. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. But um, but yeah, by and large. That one, um, we really just, you know, since we both kind of have the same toolboxes in a way, you know, um, we were able to really just collaborate on it in a pretty, pretty flat out way. Um, and like, uh, you know, we did it on tape, eight tracks. So, you know, yeah. and we, we literally re- wrote and recorded a song every single day. So it was like just a very different way of working on that, like Testarossa. I spent years on, you know, um, producing and post-producing and, and, uh, you know, with and without Dave there. And, and, uh, you know, of Mm -hmm. course he, he would write stuff without me there as well. So, um, but, um, but Jaime's basement was, was very much like, uh, you know, just like it is what it is. And we mixed it analog as well. So we mixed it on a Neve console, um, with no, you know, it never touched a computer. It was mastered. It was mastered analog too. So, like, the whole process was, you know, and that, and I say that to to say that that means everything happens quickly. Because you know, when you do a mix, yeah, analog, you know, you just go through the song, and you, I mean, you have to map it out and say, okay, here's where you're gonna pan this here, and you're gonna, you know, you have maybe four hands on the on the on the on the console. You know, or maybe we had six because we may have had another engineer friend helping out. But then you just go through that pass, and then that's your song. You know, 
Uh, whereas with mm -hmm. Yoni and Getty, it's, you know, since I, I did it, well, we recorded a lot of it um, on an eight track as well, and a tape eight track, but then I put everything into the computer and, you know, sort of slaved over it. And I think probably more so than Dave liked. He, he actually preferred, I hope I'm not saying too much about it. Dave hates when people put his business out there, but whatever. I, he he kind of he kind of preferred I think the like demo versions like the the like the versions before I started fucking with stuff, but I okay. think that had to do with just him getting used to those versions because he you know I gave them to him before he would leave town and then he would just listen to them a ton and then I would then I would send him some like drastically different mix you know and he'd be like it's too clean or what you know whatever. Yeah, that sort of thing. So he, you said he was more of a fan of the like the more lo-fi stuff or like the the stuff that you started off with rather than the actual finished product. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Dave, Dave likes okay. dirty shit. He, you know, like what <laughs> what what we did for family and friends. If you haven't heard that album, you right, should yeah. listen to that. Um, oh, that's a great album. Thank you. Yeah, know you know that favorites. that yeah, was all cassette eight track shit. So like super super lo-fi and and uh, dirty and. You know, I mean, we both like that aesthetic, so it's not like I don't like yeah. it. But I, if I'm if I'm left to my own devices, and I have, you know, Pro Tools or something, then I I, I can't help but like get deep in. It's difficult yeah. for me to stop. Yeah, I think, and also uh, with Jaime's, when when was uh, Family and Friends released? Family and Friends, uh, I can't. I maybe came out in 2011. I, we recorded it in 2010, and I think he recorded. Okay. The others with the stuff with Owen, um, in 2010 as well with um, Advanced Bass, uh, but yeah. Okay, I, so yeah, uh, I guess just then with Jaime's Basement, a lot of that being mostly analog, that that's more indicative of the time, right? That was like 2003, 2004ish. Yeah, I mean we had you know there were computers at that time, and I, I was working at home. I you know I did, I had done Oakland Asylum Asylum on uh, right mostly on a computer or collected it on a computer anyway uh -huh. um so you know i was already i was already using digital stuff um okay but you know we had access to these machines and we we always liked i still liked analog equipment and the sound of it mm -hmm. and the feel of it and the process with it um so yeah we had that option so yeah we we did that yeah going back to uh jaime's a little bit you said you wrote a song every single day. What was the lifespan of that entire project? Because nothing else has come out after that. So, like, what, when was the start and end to that? So, I went out there. So, we actually did So, I, I went out there during, like, December of probably 2002 or three. I'm not sure. Um, mm -hmm. And um, we spent, I think, 11 days and recorded 11 songs and then i went back to mix in the spring so like in like may of the next year you know whether it was okay. 2003 okay. or 2004 i don't know but i went back in like yeah may or june and then we recorded three more songs i think then and mixed the album then and i was like there okay. for like a week that time so uh and the, the the new songs I think were, uh, 21st Century Pop Song, You Die, and um, maybe one other one I don't remember. But um, so those those being more of the actual 
produced ones, right? Like uh, out of uh, there were a lot of, like a lot of piano ballads on that on that record. So yeah. were those mostly the ones written in the eleven day stint? Yeah. The, so we record the ones that we did. At least in my memory, Andy probably remember better. But like in my memory, the ones that we did in the next the following May or June, we actually recorded at the studio that we mixed at. Um, third okay. year, third year, which is also where where we ended up recording Alopecia and uh, Eskimo Snow, because we okay. had done Jaime's there, and I was like, "Oh, this place is dope." Um, but like, um, the other ones we recorded in in the basement of of Jaime's record store, um, so that's right, why yeah. we called it Jaime's basement. So yeah, and that was just like a his wife owned the store, so like. Um, we, we just, it was the stock room or whatever, the basement, it was a bunch of records around, and then, um, Andy had brought a piano down, and, and then had brought that, the eight track down there that he had rented, um, and I didn't really even know what was happening, but when I got into town, he was like, let's re- do some recordings or whatever, so, like, <laughs> we were just gonna, like, hang out, I don't even remember, but, yeah. Yeah, so that actually kind of goes into what I wanted to talk about uh, next was uh, what the actual motivation behind that project was because it's, I mean, it still stands out really strongly to this day. And uh, like I said, a lot of fans really hold really tightly to that record. But it was it more of like a like a play it by ear, just like kind of you just kind of decided to do it. Yeah, I mean, you know, Andy and I always got along really well and liked each other a lot. And uh, you know, I was just going out to visit, I think, and. I mean, we had discussed working on something, or, you know, or other, and uh, well, we didn't know we were going to make an album, you know. Um, at least that's how it was in my memory. And, and then we just kind of started working on stuff, and it felt like we we could do it, you know. Um, and then, you know, I, I just had I had my notebooks with lyrics in it, or you know. So it's not like we wrote all the lyrics that week. Like, I had notebooks yeah. with lyrics, and he had notebooks with lyrics, and... Um, but sort of putting the songs, writing songs with the lyrics and stuff, we, you know, um, we uh, did that, that, you know, during my stay there. But, yeah, it, the the reason for doing it, just just fun, I guess. You know, in those early days, yeah. it really just came down to that, I think. Yeah, I, I um, you going back and saying that a lot of the, the writing was more 60-40 skewed towards you, I kind of got that... Uh, vibe from the lyrics because a lot of the a lot of the themes and a lot of the words in like throughout Jaime's basement are really reminiscent of that first tape that you put out the part-time people cage like I remember oh, listening to um, why I don't fit in in school and some of the like you talk about like dreams about moons and shit like that and like going back you know in a few years later Jaime's basement you got that track moonhead and like I didn't write like that. that that's interesting that you say that Which I didn't one? even think about that I didn't write moonhead basically anything that Andy sings he wrote and anything that I sing okay. I wrote um for the most part very similar. Good thing you guys recorded that together. I know. It's, I never even thought about that, and because I don't, yeah. I try to put that 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 part time people cage tape out of my mind, uh, because oh, why is that? Because it's terrible. It's terrible. I mean, it's you know. I absolutely adore that tape. <laughs> you know, it's 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 the first stuff that I did. It's it's the you know I mm-hmm. I, I got an I got a four track, and then that, those are my experimentations on the four track, basically. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. nobody else in their right mind would have put that out into the world, but. You know, at the time, we were, it was just a different time, man. And it was like, uh, it was so much fun for us that, at, uh, I don't know. I just was like, all right, I'm going to make a tape, you know. And I, and I, I wanted people to yeah. hear it. I remember playing those songs for like, 
uh, for a dose, uh, and he was into. He was like, "Man, yeah, this is cool, man." You know, and and then I remember playing it for this. Uh, you know, everybody used to come into town into Cincinnati for this festival called Scribble Jam, which is like a rap uh, hip hop festival. And yeah. I remember this dude DJ Signify, this guy Justin, who was like a 1200 Hobos DJ. I mean, I'm I'm name dropping a bunch of shit that you guys are probably like. I have no idea what you're talking about. But he was in this. <laughs> I'm gonna pretend the, like I do. He was in this DJ crew that that like uh, my other friend Mr. Dibs was in. And I remember he heard, I played him, like, some of those songs off of that album, and he was like, fuck yeah, dude, like, this shit is great. It's so different and weird. But before that, I was just, like, the weird dude that was, like, hanging out with a bunch of hip-hop guys and, like, you know, like, who, what the fuck is he doing? You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, yeah. Did you do a lot of, uh, like, uh, rap battles and, like, freestyles and shit like that back uh, around those around those days i can't remember honestly no. or if you were just like tangential to all that stuff yeah no i i, I never i i was never a big uh bat, battle rapper dose dose was right. fucking great like and still i mean mm-hmm. he still could do if he if he wanted to i'm sure he could still do it um i you know they i i i would do a little bit of freestyling here and there but just like um lightly i was never like super great at it i mean i can still do it if i'm fucking yeah. around you know but um not not Do like right now <laughs> not you know not like <laughs> not like dose or something like he was just yeah beyond good at it um yeah i'm glad i'm glad you brought up like uh the the old crew or like the anti-con collective because i wanted you to talk a little bit about the beginnings of that like as a collective and how it cultivated like an environment for collaboration between all of you because i know um, like between you and Dose and a bunch of other people that were in that collective, you guys spawned like an infinite amount of different projects. You know, Green Think, uh, Cloud Dead, uh, even just with you. But um, yeah. yeah, just talk a little bit about like those those humble beginnings with, with all the with with the crew back in the day. Ah, you how, know how it uh, sort of uh, provided a foundation for all of you. I don't know. It was you know it was an exciting time. It was a time for like really experimenting and seeing what was possible you know within what we were doing and you know we we i think we definitely sort of consider what we were doing to be hip-hop music and um trying to stretch that and see you know what felt natural for us within that framework but uh i don't know man it was it was it was kind of a magical time for us we were really just discovering music and ourselves and you know we were just a bunch of 20 year old boys which you know which is a vile thing really when i think about it now <laughs> no offense uh Daoud, but uh you know no it, yeah you're good I, I i fully um accept my violence you're good dude i'm 22 i agree <laughs> no <laughs> um but you know what i mean it, it, but you know yeah. and and so we had the, some of those problems that that uh that boys that age have you know just just being mm-hmm. stupid and whatever but um it was it was magical for us it really was cool you know i wish we had had more women in, involved it, it really was a was a <laughs> it was a boys club you know yeah uh, so going back and talking I, I i asked if you did any of the the rap battles or anything like that around your friends so were you would you say mostly just like the art kid on the sides like scribbling in his notebook different metaphors and stuff like that while yeah. everybody else was just like freestyling yeah, kind of like that. I mean, you know, yeah, it's not it's not like we were like it's not like it was like a full-time 
freestyle cipher or something going on. You know, I mean, yeah. If 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 you know if that was the vibe, I would I would I would partake a bit. But I, I was a more shy guy. You know, um, mm-hmm. Dos was very, uh, you know, he was he was very much an alpha male type and still is. Gotcha. And uh, you know, I I was more of a of a uh, just a bit more self-conscious and shy you know gotcha yeah i know uh somebody i don't know if you've ever worked with them musically but you toured with uh andy bothwell a few years ago right astronautilus yeah yeah i i've i've toured a good amount with him um yeah i know he was pretty big actually in like texas freestyle scene uh i guess back in his day but he lived in denton yeah um and i think around that area and i remember because he came and performed uh, in dallas and he talked about like his uh he released a record actually called the texas years sort of like reminiscing and all that and all the different like freestyles that he would do uh so i guess you just attract people who love to freestyle <laughs> i guess i mean you know he's also one of these like hyper hyper alpha hyper extroverted alpha male types you know i'm right. introverted is the you know what it is so you know but you, you, you I think sometimes you hang out with more extroverted people because you're introverted and you know it makes more mm-hmm. sense to have that balance or something. But yeah, Andy Andy is a, is also an excellent freestyler and and uh and a hell of a guy. Yeah. No, he, he was he was super cool, super kind whenever he came and performed. Yeah. Uh Rachel, did you have any more questions? Oh, I was just going to say I remember seeing Astronalis and you um why in 2013 on mm-hmm. that tour. And, yeah, he talked about that venue actually being, I believe, where he saw the Flaming Lips in the 90s. Okay. And so he talked about how important that venue was for him. What, yeah, what venue are we, ta- are we talking about, like, uh, rubber gloves or something? Uh, it's Trees. Oh, Trees. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Dallas, yeah. Which is actually kind of not a great venue. <laughs> I'm not but... a big fan of that. It, yeah, uh, it's venue, all right. But, not, yeah. not the, it does have that big fucking pole in the middle of the stage, you know? That giant-ass yeah. tree, yeah. Ugh, yeah. Back terrible. in, I think, whatever, the, the 80s or 90s, they punched Kurt Cobain in the face, too. They did? Uh, they punched Kurt here, no Cobain doubt. in the face there? They did. He, uh, Nirvana performed there and uh, got into a fight with the security guard, and he just got clocked right in the jaw. Oh, my God. I, yeah, I mean, their claim to fame is just being horrible to the artist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've never had problems with the people there or anything like that, but um, I don't know. We're playing at a different place um, in the fall, uh, but I don't remember what it's called, but maybe you guys know. It's called Deep Ella Marco, and dude, that is like one of my new favorite venues in Dallas. Oh, wonderful. It's incredible. Wonderful. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, it's independently owned, too, so you don't have to worry about the the owner being uh, shitty, and you can feel good about supporting your cause. I've never had problems at Trees, but I I believe you. I believe you, and, and... I'm sorry that they fucking punched Kurt Cobain. That's messed up. <laughs> Nobody should punch Kurt Cobain. No, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that was mostly it. I mean, was there? I don't. I didn't expect you to come prepared with anything. But was there anything you wanted to to let us know or, or tell us? We did record Alopecia and Eskimo Snow simultaneously. They they were not two records until later. Uh, okay. I, that's that was what I was. Um what i was thinking about when you were talking about that stuff and i I don't remember exactly what you were talking about but like yeah like they they i and and what what is remarkable to me when i think back on it and thinking about myself now and how slow i work now is that like Mm -hmm. you know i think back and and like we put out elephant eyelash in 2005 and toured all 2005 and 2006 you know and then somehow 
by February 2007, I had two record, two albums worth of material um, to to record. You know, with with demos and everything already done. Yeah. Like, so like I, I I'm I'm impressed by myself back then when I think back. I'm like, <laughs> it's how a did prolific, I? Uh, I guess age range. And, and they're good. Time. And they're good. You know, they're they're good songs. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. How did I do that? But but um that. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's that's just a different age and different era i guess and and yeah. um uh and i also didn't you know i didn't like self maybe self filter as much or something as i as i do now or mm. or um i don't know uh and it's and it's also really all i had to do you know it was like all i wanted to do and all i had to do uh but yeah th- they were recorded you know that, that we just had we had booked like uh you know we had we had booked like three weeks or something in that studio um i think on and off i think we would go rehearse at andy broder's house and then uh go to the studio we rehearse like for two days at andy broder's go to the studio for a day rehearse for two days go to you know and um and yeah we had all that material and i think like maybe three quarters through the recording process you know my brother and i had a conversation it was like well could you know could this be two albums because you know there's so much stuff and it sounds different you know Mm -hmm. there's different sounds and um and so we started to think about it like that and wrote some list i had still have it in the back of this black book um uh uh about which songs might fit with which other songs uh and there were definitely swing songs you know that that could go either way you guys talked about that i think um yeah, you know, would you say the separation between the two albums then was pretty natural? Like it was pretty obvious for at least most of the songs which one belonged on which record? To some extent, but they like I said there was like three or four songs that like could have gone either way. Um Gotcha. And yeah, anyway, I, I that's that's kind of how it went and and I I actually uh, I actually finished Eskimo Snow first and oh. and brought it to the label uh and I I went mixed it down in in Nashville with this guy Mark Nevers. I was trying to be, I was basically trying to be, um, like, uh, Bonnie Billy or Silver Jews or, or Joanna Newsom. Like, that's the shit I was listening to at the time. And like, Mm -hmm. that's what I was trying to go for. So I looked up like, you know, I was just looking at mixing engineers. I remember we were in Minneapolis still where we recorded those albums and, um, I was trying to figure out where to go mix and found this guy Mark Nevers, who you know he did all like the Lamb Chop stuff. He did most of the Silver Juice stuff. He did a bunch okay. of the Bonnie Prince Billy stuff, and and uh, so I was like, okay, I'll go see this guy, and uh, you know just went down there like a week or two after finishing the recording of the albums, and mixed with him for two weeks, um, and then went straight up to uh, Portland, Oregon. And mastered with my friend Doug Krebs up there, brought the album back to Anacon and gave it to the guys and they were like, uh, I don't know. Like I was like, I ha- <laughs> I was like, I have other material too, and they were like, Can you play us some of that? And I played them like um I remember playing them like the vows, Good Friday and like by Torpedo or Crohn's and they were like that. That's right, what we bops, want. The they were like, That's what we want. And so I was yeah. like, okay, okay. So I went back and then I started mixing that um, with Eli Cruz 
who I met through uh, D Kessler from uh, The More Shallows. Do you guys know that band? I think I've heard of them. Yeah. They were an Anacom band back at that time, and um, that's how I know them. Yeah. Yeah, D, D uh, the main guy uh, from that band, like actually helped me. He got he gets like the special thank you or whatever on the um alopecia album because he actually like i didn't know what the fuck to do with the songs i'm like i i don't know these are not like i was like these have potential but i don't know what like they're not working for me and he came mm -hmm. over my house and sat down for a minute and like pulled up the vowels and was like this is dope like you know maybe you can add these harmonies here and pulled up good friday and was like here let me just let me just you know like make a few arrangement cuts like and like would like drop the drums out here or there or take you know things yeah. like that and um you know pulled up he pulled up uh uh um what's called judas in june which is what the original name simeon's dilemma and he's like um he auto-tuned me that was the first time i've ever been auto-tuned but like <laughs> um that on that there's one note there's one note that's like just a half step too high for me to sing and he had to oh, like gotcha. he, he like fixed it because it was flat um that's the only time i've ever been auto-tuned as far as i know and was it a spiritual experience yes yes um but yeah anyway that so then i then i went and mixed that album with with eli and uh turned that into the label and they were they were hyped on that and then we released that, and then I went back and um, remixed and remastered Elephant uh, uh, Eskimo Snow with mm. different people. So I went and mixed it with Eli, who who had done Alopecia, because I, I was like, oh, I, I ought to get that more psychedelic. Am I telling you guys way too much here? No, keep going. This is, this is all super okay. interesting. So, uh, you know, I was like, okay, well, we should do more of a psychedelic like take on the album as opposed to like like what i had done with mark nevers initially the, the initial mixing of it was super dry um i mean mm. there was like some reverb on stuff but like there was no delay there was no like it didn't have like a psychedelic feel i was going like i said i was going for this like you know i i'm i'm a you know an alt country songwriter check me out you know yeah. which was like out of my wheelhouse you know like alopecia was yeah. right there in my wheelhouse where it was like that that was the natural progression for me with what i was doing it was like it had hip-hop in it and it had you know and um but i was going for something with with eskimo snow that i feel like i didn't really achieve until moline honestly um mm -hmm. with the, the 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 feel of that record um but yeah, so I, I remixed it with Eli and mastered it with this guy Mike Wells, who did, who did alopecia, so that it would fit with that album better and feel more like, you know, sister albums or whatever. Sort of like a yeah, as a sister album, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm super glad you guys have been releasing those uh, like behind the scenes in studio videos of oh, alopecia. Yeah, those have been it's like great. fascinating to see how much actually went into the production of that record. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, we, we we don't we don't we don't mess around, man. We get in there. We get <laughs> Apparently in there. not. You guys spent like how long trying to find a shaker, like the specific oh, yeah. right one? Oh yeah, it's always like that. It's to this day, it's always like that for everything we do, man. Um, that's yeah, that's the process, man. That's why shit takes so long. 
No, you know, and, and, I mean, I, and yeah, honestly, it wouldn't matter if we used a different shaker. That's the thing. But you know, whatever. It's gotta, it's gotta matter to you. We get it it's from my mom. You. you know, that's. <laughs> Is that so? Yeah, I think so. Oh yeah, she was the one that left like the the three hundred notes around the house, right? Making sure exactly. That was, oh, you uh, were there. That's yeah. right. You were on that. I was there. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. So yes, you see, you see what what we uh, have to. I know exactly where you're lives. coming from now. I'm got, I got the I got the insider information. <laughs> yes. Um, you've talked a little bit about it on your uh, live streams, but for people who haven't been tuning in, slash would be tuning in here, uh, what's what's next on the docket for you, production or writing wise? Well, um, I'm working on, um, I'm working on new Y stuff. Uh, I have a couple of remixes to do for different people. Uh, I'm working on a song uh, with. Lily West, la 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 la. Oh, thank God, dude! That single, the Destroyer single, it's ridiculous, like right? My past like month, it's incredible. I know, I know. Um, and I don't know. I got a lot of a lot of irons in the fire. Too many irons, some would say, in the fire. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. But I'm I'm you know, trying to trying to move forward and and get stuff done. What better way to do that than Go on vacation, you know? No. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. I, I am gonna work on some stuff honestly while I'm while I'm out here. Yeah. But um have a clear head. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. Uh well, thank you very much for taking time uh, out of your vacation to, to chat with us. It's been super enlightening. There's a lot of shit that I did not know that I now know. Um, Absolutely my pleasure. Yeah. And if there's anything else you guys are curious about, just just uh just holler at me. You got my number. I will. Yeah. Thank you. I've got an infinite list of questions. Please, please. <laughs> All right, thanks again, dude. Thank you so much, you guys. Have a great night, and uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Yeah, have thanks. a good one. Enjoy the rest of your vacation. All right, thank you. Bye, y'all. Uh, thanks again to Yoni for joining us this week. It was a, a huge pleasure of a conversation to have. I There were some things that I did not know uh, that I had questions about, and then some things that I never knew I would have questions about, but were really cool to, to hear. Uh, and thank you, of course, again to Noah and Gavin and the Archibald Network for having us and allowing us to uh, talk about why uh, ad infinitum for the past. How long has it been? How long have we been doing this? At Co- least six weeks. Six weeks, something like that. Um, that being said, our uh, untethered layers are coming to a to a close uh, at the end of this episode. We may we may come back uh, to do a sort of wrap up or uh maybe a recap of the of the alopecia show something like that um i think that could be fun but as for regularly scheduled programming as much as we have been regularly scheduled in the past also apologies for for being a week late on the on the last uh episode the mohlin part two it was we talked a lot longer than i think either of us anticipated and also just some audio and uh recording and file fiascos that i had to had to deal with and also um I have work, <laughs> so editing, yeah, is, yeah editing uh, and recording, trying to get, trying to find a time between the two of us can be difficult. Um, that being said, this has been absolutely fucking incredible. I've had the time of my life talking about. This has been really great, mm-hmm. and I'm really glad that. I mean, I guess we were a little quick to reply when we found out that yeah. the brothers were doing this podcast, and I'm really glad that they were so kind to mm-hmm. ask us to join them. I think that's amazing and i've had so much fun i think literally within the like like within three days of them announcing the podcast idea we were in the studio (laughs) recording our episode for hell of an eyelash we were so nervous we were and now now look at us still nervous but (laughs) six episodes later uh thank you all again um really this is this has been uh an absolute dream i absolutely love talking about 
music. That's the reason I got into radio is to force people to listen to the music that I like. So being able to force people to listen to me talk about the music that I've loved for the past, you know, decade or so uh, has been a, a, a dream come true. Uh, so thank you all again. And like I like I've said in the past, if you guys have been listening, let me know. It's always super cool to, to see or hear from people saying like, hey, you know, like I felt the same way about Alopecia or, you know, Elephant Eyelash is my favorite album or whatever. Um, let us know. It's super, super uh, cool and really inflates our ego a lot more than we absolutely <laughs> needed to. Uh, but thank you guys again. Thank you, Noah. Thank you, Gavin. Thank you, Yoni. Thank you to the entire band for making the music that you do. Um, and we'll see you when the sun sets when east. The sun sets east. That's, <laughs> our, that's, by the way, our name now. So <laughs> uh, thank you. Have a good thank one. Thank you. Bye.